Welcome to Get Better at Garbage, the official podcast of Recycle Smart, Canada's fastest growing recycling technology company. In every episode, we talk tech, innovation, and inside secrets with interesting people doing interesting things from around the world. Welcome to this episode of Get Better at Garbage. I'll be your host, Ty Quintel, the Digital Marketing Coordinator for Recycle Smart. And uh, joining me is Chief Innovation Officer, Colin Bell. Hey, Colin, welcome. Well, it's great to be here. Um, unfortunately, my samples did not quite arrive in time for today's show, and we'll, we'll talk more about that. But I was, you know, expected to be buzzing, but uh, they're still en route, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we have an exciting guest today. Uh, joining us will be Omid McDonald, founder of Dairy Distillery, a state-of-the-art micro distillery that transforms unused milk sugar into an incredibly smooth vodka called Vodkow. Uh, welcome, Omid. Thank you for having me. So I just wanted to introduce you and, uh, you know, ask where you grew up, you know, ask a bit about yourself, um, your previous career experience. Um, well, I grew up mostly in, in Ottawa. Uh, I have a, uh, a tech background, so distilling was totally new to me when I got into it. Uh, I've done uh, software startups uh, in the past, ranging from medical uh, uh, devices, uh, wrote software for uh, SIM cards and mobile phones, and my last uh, startup before getting into distillery was doing rights management software for DJs. So, uh, totally in the digital world, but I was yearning for something a little bit more analog and uh, fell in love with uh, craft distilling and just uh, visited a distillery in Charleston. Uh, just loved the copper, the whole process, and uh, just played with it in my in my basement, made a little still, but really never found anything that uh, that I, I could uh, turn into a into a business uh, until I came across this opportunity with uh, the the waste stream of uh, of dairy. Awesome. Um, so if I was to run into you and uh, kind of ask you what you did at a cocktail party, um, what would you kind of tell me what's Dairy Distillery all about and kind of maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the inspiration in the background? Because I'm assuming there was kind of an aha moment when this kind of synergy came together in terms of this byproduct from dairy and vodka and where you are today. Yeah, well, the, the, it's a quick line, uh, one-liner, uh, make vodka for milk, that, that gets people's attention and, and talking. Uh, the aha moment came from uh, my uh, my cousin had just returned from his uncle's dairy farm, and his uncle was telling them how skim milk was being dumped uh, at that time, and that was the light bulb moment. I was like, oh, well, can we turn that into alcohol? And uh, and so did some research and discovered that uh, Going back to Genghis Khan, the the Mongols were fermenting milk, so humans have done it. Uh, and uh, there are a couple of distilleries in the world uh, uh, doing it, but it's quite rare. And so uh, I did some more research to find a source of uh, the sugar in milk, which is what we ferment, the lactose. And uh, and just coincidentally, uh, the largest dairy company in Canada was uh, turning on a machine about an hour away from us, uh, which produces ultra-filtered milk, which is a high-protein milk. Uh, which you'll find in like on the shelf in a Fairlife product that's uh, a high protein milk. So they concentrate the the proteins in the skim milk to make it more efficient to make cheese and yogurt out of it. But they have this uh, byproduct called milk permeate, which is where all the lactose ends up. And they didn't have a use for it. And so we're like, oh, let's see if we could turn this into uh, into alcohol. And so typically at other dairies, what how, what happens to this byproduct, this milk permeate? Is it disposed of or like where does it go everywhere else in the world typically? 
Well, it depends. In some places, it is disposed of, and uh, in he in Winchester, where where we get ours, at that time they were actually sending it to digesters for disposal. Uh, other parts of the world, if there are pigs nearby, they'll they'll give it away to the pigs. Uh, so it, um, uh, but they're they're not getting any value from it, and that's uh, uh, what we saw an opportunity there is to take this uh, byproduct which and uh, add value to it. That's really cool. And so what kind of products do you produce from this malt product? You make uh, obviously a, a vodka, which we would say is a high-end vodka, or where does it kind of fit in the, the vodka the vodka chart? Like, is this kind of the middle of the road or is this a high-end vodka? And then you also make some other products as well. So what, what are you guys producing from this, uh, this process? Well, we make a vodka that we obviously call vodka. So uh, that's our, our most popular uh, product there that uh, comes in the uh, old fashioned uh, milk bottle. And it's a 40% uh, alcohol by volume uh, vodka, like, like any other vodka, it's clear. A lot of people wonder, is it uh, milky? But no, it's completely clear. <laughs> uh, it, it tastes like a vodka, but uh, what uh, people say it has a sweeter taste and it uh, has a creamier mouthfeel. And so uh, we have a legion of fans who like that. And uh, using our vodka base, we uh, make a, a, a series of cream liqueurs as well, which have been very popular. And in terms of you know price-wise, are you guys up against kind of like the Smirnoffs, or is it a higher-end product, or where do you guys fit in the like where would I find vodka in the the vodka price uh, scheme? Just a bit. We're not a, a bottom price vodka, so we're priced at thirty-three dollars a bottle, which is uh, it's sort of on the medium uh, end of the vodka pricing. Okay. Uh, so middle of the road, so to speak, um, or middle of the cow in this case. Uh, where are you guys heading with products? So you've got the flagship, which is the vodka, and then you've got some flavor products. I also see that one time you guys were making uh, little syrup, but I don't know if you're still doing that. And, and kind of what's what's in the future in terms of new product coming down the road? Um, well, we're really focused on just getting the product more uh, available. So uh, we've, uh, we're now pretty much available uh, coast to coast. So we're in BC. Alberta, uh, uh, in the SAQ in Quebec, and a couple uh, maritime uh, provinces as well. And we've just dipped our toes into the US market. So we're really going to uh, work to get the product more known, uh, both here at home and, uh, and abroad. And in terms of taste, you mentioned it's a bit sweeter uh, and a bit like smoother mouthfeel. So is that kind of the the major, if I was to blind taste test, is that what I would notice? Is basically it's it's a slightly different taste than if I went with a traditional vodka, which is made from, what is traditional vodka made from actually? Let's back up there. Is it primarily made from grain, potatoes? Like what is normal vodka made from? And is it all the same? Most vodka is now made from corn. And uh, second most popular source would be grain and then and then potato. So and each one has a slightly different taste. Uh, people think of vodka as having no taste whatsoever. But uh, if you were to line up a grain, corn, potato and, and milk vodka, you will definitely uh, notice the difference between them. In terms of the, this milk permeate, because I've been to a dairy a couple times, is this basically kind of a solid or how does it show up? Like, do they bring it in a big tank or is it a powder or what, what does this actually look like if I came to the distillery and saw kind of what was starting the process? So it is, uh, it's a liquid. So it's essentially the, uh, the milk comes in from the dairy farms. They skim off the cream to make the butter and, and, and stuff like that. And then they have the skim milk. And so then they push that skim milk through a filter 
and on the, the, the proteins are retained by the filter and the water and the lactose uh, go through the filter. And that's the, the milk permeate that we get. It's slightly uh, yellow in appearance because the riboflavin, which is one of the vitamins in, uh, in uh, milk, give it that color. Uh, you can drink it. It's sort of like a sweet skim milk. Um, and uh, we get it cold. Uh, we, we warm it up, uh, add water to it, and then put in our, our yeast. So uh, what's unique about uh, what we do is that uh, most yeast won't touch lactose. Uh, so we had to work with the University of Ottawa to find a yeast that will convert the lactose into, uh, into alcohol. Got you. So that is the unique, uh, the unique aspect of your yeast. So why doesn't regular yeast want to attack uh, lactose? It's a sugar. You'd think yeast would love it. Is there some particular pro uh, property of they, a lactose? They that don't means have that it's the, they're lactose intolerant. <laughs> they don't have oh, the ability okay. <laughs> to break down the sugar into its components. Just like humans have the ability to uh, break uh, lactose into its component sugars, and then we digest those sugars. Uh, the yeast, uh, most yeasts don't have that ability, but uh, the university found us a natural yeast that does, and uh, and they love eating that lactose. And that's actually an interesting point because if I was lactose intolerant, I could drink vodka, no problem. Like I wouldn't have an issue with lactose sure. in the actual end uh, product. So there's no lactose in in the product. And what's interesting, when we designed our cream liqueurs, we wanted the same thing, and so we we use uh, our uh, alcohol made from lactose and blend it in with lactose-free cream. So it's uh, both our vodka and our cream liqueurs are lactose-free. Oh, cool. Okay. So totally lactose-friendly, which is pretty neat um, yeah. for a, a company that's making a product from cow's milk. Um, from can you explain what, what the heart of the distillation process means for us non-distillers out there? So uh, what is the kind of the heart of the distillation process? Is this the best part or the top part or the bottom part? or? Well, alcohol has uh, a whole bunch of compounds. The, the fermentation will generate a bunch of uh, different uh, compounds when you uh, ferment. And so what the, uh, the heart of the distillation are essentially the compounds that are as close to uh, pure alcohol as uh, the alcohol that we're looking for in terms of the taste. taste. And then uh, so alcohol, the, the, the ethanol that we're trying to collect, boils at 76 degrees. And so we're trying to get just components that boil at that at that um, uh, at that temperature. But when you're heating up your stills, that you start getting components that come off, uh, which are, uh, uh, boil off at a lower temperature. Those are called the heads. Then you get into the hearts, which is uh, close to 76 degrees, and that's what you want to keep. And then you get into your tails, where you get some of the alcohols uh, that you uh, that are not good from a taste point of view, and you cut those out. So what's really neat for us is we we really have very little in the way of heads. Our fermentations are very clean. Uh, like I was always worried, are we going to blind people with methanol or something weird like that, which you hear about stories of moonshiners doing, uh, but our yeast don't even produce uh, uh, methanol. So it uh, it's a very clean alcohol that's produced by uh, this very smart yeast. That's a good slogan, I think. Vodka won't make you blind. So, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, so would would other companies use the head? Like, if I'm buying like Smirnoff Ice or something like that, is am I getting the head, or is is it something where other distillers only use the heart too, or is this? Are you guys using kind of the, only the best part of the distillation process? Well, it depends on your equipment. If uh, you're, uh, so, the big guys would have a continuous column, so they're they're distilling. 247 and with a slightly different equipment which would allow you to really get 
purity that essentially hearts all the time. Uh, people who use batch production will uh, often get, uh, use their heads for cleaning. That's what we do. Um, uh, make hand sanitizer with it. It's totally effective for that as well. Uh, so, but um, uh, we do, we definitely don't use it in the uh, in the in the final product. And as I mentioned, we don't really produce that much in the in terms of volume of heads. That's really cool. And so, can we talk a little bit about sustainability? Because obviously, we're supposed to be talking about waste reduction, but really, we're just <laughs> talking about more fun stuff today. But from a sustainability perspective. So number one, you're using a byproduct that could potentially go to landfill, um, but you also are doing a lot of other stuff with Vodka in terms of reducing the environmental impact. So do you want to share a little bit with our listeners? Like one of the interesting things I saw was there's a real focus on sustainability when you go to the website. You're talking about you know everything you're doing from carbon neutral to you know the packaging things like that. So do you want to just talk a little bit about that overall sustainability philosophy that you guys have at the distillery? Yeah, well, it's it's core to who we are. So we are using this byproduct, which not only uh, it could be end up in a digester, but it uh, uh, when you're making alcohol from corn or grain, those that those products can be used for human consumption. So we're not using something that well, maybe a pig will enjoy drinking uh, milk uh, milk permia, but it's not intended for human consumption. So that we have that advantage. Uh, since we are using a a, a a waste stream, we don't have all the carbon impact of growing grain and so on and so forth. Uh, as I mentioned, we just take in our, our permeate, uh, add some water to it and put in our yeast. We don't have to do what the grain guys have to do, which is they have to uh, convert the starches into sugar with a process called mashing which involves heating up the uh, the grain to a high temperature, putting in enzymes, and it's very water intensive as well. We don't have any of that. Our stuff comes in, the water comes from the cow, which is great. We don't have to add much water uh, since the, the milk permeate comes with, uh, in liquid form. And uh, so we're much more efficient in that way. Our bottle, uh, we uh, obviously it looks like a uh, old fashioned milk bottle, but it's also the lightest bottle at the LCBO at 220 grams. And so its carbon impact is half that of uh, a normal bottle, which it weighs twice as much. So all those factors have allowed us to do uh, the carbon accounting and, uh, and and we purchased the offsets needed to make every bottle of vodka, vodka carbon neutral. And I believe you guys are using Tree Canada for your carbon offsets, is that right? That's right, yeah. Which is, oh, cool. Yeah, and that's a partner that RecycleSmart we've used uh, in the past as well. So kind of a more tangible than, I find sometimes carbon offsets can be pretty like esoteric you're like i bought you some carbon offsets in this box whereas tree canada is a little more people can touch and feel trees so that makes sense right yeah um so what about in terms of the uh glass as an as a material so you guys have this glass milk bottle part of your brand kind of pulling on the heartstrings of you know when milk used to come in a glass bottle but it's often seen as more ecologically you know, kind of friendly than a plastic bottle, but it's heavy and it can be carbon intensive to transport. And also it can be tough to recycle in some areas. So like, do you think is glass really a more sustainable material than plastic or is it kind of depends on where you're shipping product to and a whole bunch of other factors? Well, it does. And so the, the, everything I've read, there is no clear answer. Uh, so we said, okay, if we're going glass, let's make sure it's the lightest glass bottle out there. And, it, and ours is the lightest glass bottle at the LCBO at 220 grams, so that uh, already makes uh, eliminates uh, half of our the carbon impact coming from the glass, and also 
the recycling of it is just less stuff to, to recycle. Uh, people in Ontario are pretty good at recycling these bottles since they get money back from the uh, from the beer store. So right, uh, and the beer store does a good job in in recy uh, recycling. Uh, obviously, if you move to plastic, it has the advantages of lower, lower carbon footprint and weight. But then you have the uh, the perceived disadvantages of uh, recycling uh, uh, plastic, which has its own issues. So we just we uh, we went with uh, glass, but then said, okay, let's make, uh, minimize the the impact of the, that glass and and the weight. We've done a good job with uh, with that lighter bottle. Are, are you kind of stuck in glass with vodka too? Because I'm just thinking, like, if I picked up a plastic bottle of vodka at the liquor store, I might just feel from like a you know, the class of the product might be weird. And I don't think I've ever seen vodka in cans, like I, mixed drinks, obviously, but not straight up vodka. Yeah, that, I've never seen straight up vodka. Vodka is available in PET plastic. So you, you can buy vodka in plastic uh, uh, plastic bottles. It's interesting in the craft distilling space, uh, a lot of people have it in their mind that a heavier bottle means a more premium product. So right. if you have to go and lift <laughs> some of these craft uh, whiskeys, like the bottle itself is really heavy, which is obviously extremely wasteful. So people have to get out of that mind frame that uh, heft means a, 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 a better product, and which is not the case. Yeah, it's true, though. It's like that when something feels heavy, you think it's well made. But with a glass yeah. bottle, it's really it could just be really thick, which makes no difference in terms of the product inside. Um, one question I didn't have on here, but I want to ask you about was your water, because I think a lot of distilleries have this whole myth around the water. You know, definitely if you go, you know, to Scotland or something like that, you know, a lot of the distilleries, the water is like a huge part of the story. And and you guys oft, obviously you're using water. So where does the water come from? Uh, we were joking just in the intro here. We can see the water tower from your distillery. So well, it literally it, is coming. We use municipal water that we run through a uh, reverse osmosis filter to get the minerals out. Like that's okay. what causes issues with spirits as minerals will cause cloudiness. Uh, but uh, we're here in Lanark County, uh, which is well known for its uh, uh, well water. And um, and uh, so it, we've uh, we've had no problems with, uh, with using local water. Cool, and last question before we flip you over to eggs was uh, hand sanitizer. So uh, like a lot of distilleries, when COVID first hit, uh, big demand for sanitizer. So you guys made sanitizer. Looks like you sold sanitizer. Are you going to continue to sell sanitizer? And was there anything you learned from making sanitizer that was kind of an aha moment in terms of like it's a new product? Was it tough to make, or did you just have to turn a few dials and put some sanitizer one thousand into the tank? Well, it, uh, fortunately, there's not a huge difference between vodka and hand sanitizer, at least the liquid version. Uh, we did have to do some work to get uh, uh, to produce a gel hand sanitizer, which the hospitals wanted gel. Uh, so we we did that. We we made about a quarter million liters of hand sanitizer and supplied all our local hospitals uh, uh, here. So it was a big part of our 2020 and into 2021. Um, so uh, learn from it. I to me for what I found interesting was just sort of the the moral questions with it. Like at the beginning. Uh, like the hospital would say, okay, well, this is what we normally buy hand sanitizer for. And then a private company, construction company would, would say, well, we'll give you five times that. So like it, what do you do? Uh, well, we went and supplied the hospitals, but it, it, it was a moral choice, right? It's either <laughs> get five times more from, from, uh, from a construction company or, or supply your local hospital. And I've never had these sort of 
questions uh, thrown at me uh, from a business point of view. So I, I found that quite interesting. And has sanitizer sales tailed off? Like, are we kind of, have we passed peak sanitizer? We have pa passed uh, peak sanitizer, yeah, which uh, okay. uh, while it was, it definitely helped us out, I am happy to uh, be post in a post-sanitizer world. <laughs> Got it. All right. Sounds good. Well, Ty, I think it's time for you to take us to the finish line um, and ask our trademark question. Hopefully you've been anticipating this one, but uh, how do you like your eggs? We believe that how you like your eggs is a window into your soul. Uh, I like them hard boiled. Hard boiled. All right. And do you have a specific time or do you just put them in and boil the crap out of them? No, I, I just leave. That's the thing I love about it. You just can't screw it up. <laughs> that's true i i'm also i'm the same thing i just put them in the pot and boil them for a long time and yeah never had good to go good I, I, and are you are you a fan of the new uh hard-boiled eggs now i see they're in like 7-eleven and there's there seems like they're going mainstream now so i've not ventured to the pre-packaged boiled egg i'm old school i boil my own eggs and uh they already come packaged why do i need another piece of plastic wrapping it so uh, the shell is uh, fun to unwrap too. So no, I uh, I stick with my home boiled eggs. Nice. Well, that's good. We'll have to talk about pickled eggs with someone sometime, Ty. Someone's got to love pickled eggs. I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be that disgusting jar on the counter at your local store and they would have, yeah, yeah everyone's, <laughs> Ty's nodding. Our users can't see him, yeah. but he's like, gross. But uh, yeah, we always had this bet on like, who would eat the pickled egg? Um, yeah, Omid, we actually have a, uh, an egg steamer at our office. Um, oh, just picked it up off Amazon. So you drop in like a certain milliliter of water and it's, it actually steams it up for you at a, at a set time and then it auto shuts off. So you might have to pick that up. And I might, might have to try it. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, so if anybody wants to get in contact with you and learn more, uh, how can they, how can they do that? Uh, just go to vodcow.com and, uh, uh, our stories there, we have some nice videos that explain the whole process and, and email us. Anyone can email me, omid, O-M-I-D, at vodcow.com and happy to tell more. And buying uh, buying vodka, we can buy it anywhere in Canada directly from you guys and at some stores, you were saying, in Ontario and Quebec, is that right? Yep, the uh, uh, provincial liquor stores in BC, uh, Ontario and Quebec have it, or you can just order it directly from us at vodcow.com. Awesome. I will. I know what I'm doing this weekend. Uh, all right. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I look forward. To, yeah, I look forward to picking up a bottle of vodka myself. So, well, your samples are on the way, so uh, <laughs> they should get there at some point. Perfect. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Remember, you can recycle past episodes at www.recycle-smart.com forward slash podcast and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us. And remember to get better at garbage, rock the recycling, and save some serious dough.